Hi, I'm Lisa Weaver. Welcome to Healing Jephthah's Daughter podcast. I'm so glad you've stumbled upon this podcast and I look forward to journeying with you. On today's episode, we lay the groundwork for the first season of Healing Jephthah's Daughter, which you will also hear me refer to as HJD. I'll share a little more about how we arrived here, read a portion of Jephthah's story, and then invite you to listen in on a conversation with me and a good friend, the Reverend Katie Ricks. Are you ready? Let's take the first step on our journey toward freedom, healing, and wholeness. day I was sitting in my apartment waiting for a friend to come by for a regular visit. While I was waiting, I decided to pass the time by reading my Bible. I opened to what I thought was a somewhat random text. As I read the passage to which I turned, I wept and I wept and I wept. Now, I rarely have this experience. Friends will tell you, Weaver doesn't cry. So I knew that there was something about this story upon which I stumbled. And I read it again and again and again, attempting to understand why it resonated so deeply within me. With each reading, I discovered another part of my being was engaged, another insight, another wrinkle. The text gently and sometimes not so gently tugged at my heartstrings. It reverberated deeply in the bowels of my soul, called forth tears from an internal well, which I'd worked so hard to forget was even there. I read it once more. Then the Lord's spirit came upon Jephthah, and Jephthah made a solemn promise to the Lord. If you will decisively hand over the Ammonites to me, then whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return victorious from battle with the Ammonites, I will give over to the Lord. I will sacrifice it as an entirely burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord had done what Jephthah had petitioned and victoriously handed the Ammonites over to him. When Jephthah returned to his house in Mizpah, it was his daughter who came out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. She was his only child. He had no sons and no other daughter except her. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me to my knees. You are my agony. For I opened my mouth to the Lord and I can't take it back. His daughter replied, My father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord, so you should do to me just what you've promised. And Jephthah did to her just what he promised. Jephthah killed his daughter. He made a reckless vow to God. He vowed to kill whatever came out of the doors of the house to meet him. 
and he killed his daughter. Did he forget the traditions of his day? Jephthah had to know that it was customary for the women to come out and celebrate victories of battle with dancing and tambourines. His daughter was just following the custom. She was doing what was expected. She was doing what the culture told her was her job. And he vowed to kill her. And so he did. It was then that I realized that the daughter was me. Jephthah's daughter did have a name. In fact, she had many names. Lisa and Denise and Sherry and Vicky and Teresa and Nancy. Jephthah's daughter has many names. This is the story of women and girls all around the world. A story too painful to tell. A knock at my door jolted me back to reality. I had completely lost track of time. My friend was at the door, same time as always. I didn't even bother wiping my face. We greeted one another casually as he entered. Looking at my tear-stained face, he said, are you okay? Are you okay? I handed him the Bible, still open to Judges 11. Have you read this? Voice cracking. He took the Bible, read the story, and looked at me, puzzled and a bit concerned, yet said matter-of-factly, Yes, this is a sad story. This is a sad story. And after a long pause, we went about our day, but the story still haunted me. That story has become my constant companion. For weeks and months and years on end, it has beckoned me back to wrestle and interrogate my own relationship with my father and all the ways that I lived out the negative effects of that relationship. And then one day, it hit me. In one reading, I realized that Jephthah's relationship with his daughter was a mirror of his own experience of being a child raised in a blended household. Simply put, Jephthah treated his daughter the same way his father treated him. Jephthah failed to protect his daughter the same way his father failed to protect him. Jephthah let his daughter reap consequences the same way Jephthah's father let him reap consequences. Jephthah's upbringing and the things that he lacked as a child directly informed his own parenting. When we read the story in episode two, this connection will become clearer then. As much as this is about Jephthah, it is not only about Jephthah. It is about Jephthah and it is about the daughter. The truth is, there are so many Jephthahs in the world today. This story is constantly unfolding. For some, Jephthah is a father. For others, Jephthah is a mother. And there are even some humans who have the experience of Jephthah being a guardian, a non-gender binary parent, 
or another family member altogether. This story is always unfolding. And it is also an obscure story. Sometimes it even seems like it's hidden, sometimes actively, maybe passively, other times even accidentally for the sake of self-preservation. This narrative is surrounded by other more popular stories, other judges, and other biblical figures, Joshua, Samson, Ruth, Naomi, Deborah, stories that are easier to tell and easier to hear. Yet and still, it continues to unfold in the most obscure places, tucked in the middle of a book that most people would rather skip. So let's shift gears for a moment. As you likely know, this podcast is brought to you by Theolab Media. I'm so grateful to my friends at Theolab for their partnership in bringing this podcast to life. Over the last few weeks and months, we've talked at length about this project and exchanged stories as the text came alive in each conversation. We recorded a few of those conversations, and I want to invite you to listen in on one dialogue with my dear friend, the Reverend Katie Ricks, who is one of the founders of Theolab. This conversation provides additional context for the Healing Jephthah's Daughter podcast in a more dialogical style. After this brief interlude, I'll be back to wrap things up and share a little more of what is to come. So tell me, what is Healing Jephthah's Daughters? Broadly, Healing Jephthah's Daughters is a ministry that's designed to help women heal from the harmful effects of painful relationships with their father those formative relationships that they've had with their father. How did you come about this story? How did you stumble upon it? I did just that. I stumbled. Hmm. I was home one day doing some daily Bible reading and stumbled on this story as I was waiting for a friend. I had never read anything in the Bible that gave me pause and halted me and caused me to cry. So after sitting with it for some time, I recognized that I related to the daughter and that my burst of tears was probably my way of grieving and letting out all my own pain. Mm -hmm. But the, the conduit, the catalyst was this story, right? So there's a way in which stories give us distance to begin to come back and do our own work. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I did stumble on it. What's your greatest hope for this podcast? I think I have a zillion, but my greatest one is for children who have had harmful relationships with their parent, that they begin to do the work of identifying the effects of that mm-hmm. and to move toward freedom healing and wholeness of those negative effects. That's my, that's the primary thing. That it, at a safe distance, that the language, that the questions resonate in a way that they feel comfortable enough, safe enough, and I know that can be a loaded word, but for lack of a better one, safe enough to begin to ask themselves questions. Because sometimes we're in a space to do the work we've not even thought about doing it because we've lived so long in a particular kind of way, it's just become normal. We, we're like, it just is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
sometimes people think they don't even have the capacity or it's been so long that they said, can life be different? Right. Right. Can life be different? And not can life be different? Um, can I be a millionaire and completely comfortable? But can life be different? Can I be happy? Can I have joy? Right. Can I have a healthy relationship? Can this relationship be repaired? Or how can I be, how can I not be so burdened, so guilty? So, how can I get free? This is all we know about ourselves, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I hope that some people realize that's a question they can ask. So, that's your hope. What's your fear? What are you afraid of with this podcast? (laughs) What is my fear? Well, well, let me say, I don't think it's my greatest fear because I think I wanted to say this kind of in an introductory way. And I think most people know this. No podcast, nothing takes the place of work with a trained, licensed clinical professional, Mm -hmm. period, full stop. I certainly don't think people will think that this is a surrogate for therapy by, by, by no stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. However, I don't want people to be under the impression that I am positioning myself as a licensed clinician. I send people to trained licensed clinicians all the time. This is about a story from which I have gained multiple insights that I have shared and done and, and built ministry around that other women have gotten yeah. insights on their lives yeah. and have made some wonderful healing progress. This one woman, I won't say the state, um, she, I, it's, it's someplace I go regularly, yeah. before the pandemic at least. And I went back and I said, how are things? She said, they are so much better. Mm-hmm. And in the workshop, she had a moment and I was asking questions about you know, what comes up. She, was, she said, I said, what conversations do you need to have? And this woman said, I need to go home and talk to my husband. Mm -hmm. I said, your story has impacted your marriage. She said, yes. I said, can you, do you want to say more? She said, no, it's okay. You don't have to. And I saw her and and a couple of years later, someplace I would go annually, I said, I have to better. And she smiling, right? Looking light. Mm. And better does not mean perfect, right? But, but, But something clicked for her. Mm-hmm. She was able to draw the line and say, okay, I need to fix this. Well, what, what about this moment makes you bring it from um, a, a workshop or a retreat? What about this moment turns it into a podcast? That's a good question. A good friend who started his own podcast and media company, he... Um, we started just talking and, you know, I was like, oh, podcast, right? And so because I didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last and as we are still in it, but also over the last few years, it kept becoming more urgent. And when I say that, I mean, there's just something like you have to do this because I've actually tried to let this go a, a couple of times. This is three decades worth of work. And so I was like, oh, that's just never going to happen. I'm never going to write a book. And it's like, oh, you can't leave. Something would happen. Um, I'd have some encounter and I'm like, oh, okay, that, that, that's not dead, right? Like that's still very, very active. And I'm like, okay. So I got to the point where... I said to God, okay, I realize this is life's work and life ministry, right? This is, this is one part of my vocational portfolio. Part of it also, too, is I got over, I worked through, 
rather. I worked through some real fears about, oh, a podcast, you know, being out there uh, as, a, as an extreme introvert. So it just fe- it felt like a good time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's places that where, where God calls you into places you'd never go, right? And it sounds like this story hits you right from the start and, and is pushing you out past your comfort zone, past your normal ways of being. And so I'm wondering what, what it is, right? How, how are you, what do you think within you makes you personally connected with it? What is that place within you where the spirit is flowing and connecting and drawing that kind of line to the story? I don't know if this answers the question because I heard a lot of things in what you said. For me, I'll say this, the, the connection point, the thing that I think continues to flow and keep this story alive is that it has given me insights and skill sets and capacities to help people heal. Um, I, I you know, I was going to say, you know, to heal people, right? Like I, I heal people. I don't heal people. I, I, I do believe that's God's work and that we are instruments. But I have worked with women and girls. And because I know the language of pain, because I know what those nuances are, because I know blended family dynamic, I can language the question. I can ask the right question. I can language. I've seen my capacity to be in line with the spirit, to move people to an aha moment that usually involves tears or some, but some insight, right? That usually involves um, an insight. And, and sometimes that's anticipated. Sometimes it's not. The fondest story, if I can tell a quick story. May I tell a quick story? You can tell a quick story. I still have like one question I'm getting. Yeah. I was invited to do, um, to be a Bible study teacher for a conference that was meeting in Hong Kong. Wonderful opportunity. I was invited to be a Bible study teacher. Mm Mm-hmm. That was it. So I do my Bible study thing. And as these big Christian conferences go, the, one of the, the director, the host, and the person who invited me, he said, Lisa, we need more altar workers. Can you be an altar worker tonight? Sure. Now, this is a conference with over 5,000 Baptist youth from all over the world. I am an altar worker. I was, I was called for Bible study. I was asked at the last, not last minute, but, you know, in, in, in the midst of things. And so we're inviting young people up, and you know how altar calls and, right, young people. What, tell me your prayer request for what can I pray for you? What would you like me to pray for? This young woman, young lady, young girl, maybe 14. I'll never forget she was from Texas. Mm-hmm. She says, if you could pray for me, I have a really bad relationship with my father. I said, really, God, you bring me all the way on the other side of the world of Hong Kong to remind me I can't like, like <laughs> what? What are the chances of someone being someplace they were not originally intended to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
being asked to do something that they thought they let go of because eh, it's not eh, that maybe that was just for me. Right. And so it's so, so those kinds of reminders, you bump into it and I had one too many. I'm like, okay, God, in for a penny. In for a pound. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's life's work. And so, so, so that's what connects me to the story Yeah, because it's, it's part of my vocational portfolio. It's part of my work. It's part of your work. Is it also a story that has given you life, that has given you freedom? It really has. It really has. I'm like, uh, because it, 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 it helped me go back because I, part of my life was spent in a blended family. Mm-hmm. And I realized that most people who do blended families do really bad jobs at uh-huh. it, like really bad. Yep. And for myriad reasons. I don't, I, don't, I don't say that by way of indictment, but just as reality, just horrible bungle it. Um, and, and again, for myriad reasons. And to see, like there's so much that going on there. And once I looked at it, I, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, one of the things that one of my friends, hopefully she'll be on, she's a clinician. We were going through this and she was helping me work this through. And she, you know, asking her questions about different things. Do I have this clinical language right? Do I have this, right? Is she, and, and she just sat there and she said, am I going to end up feeling sorry for Jephthah? Mm. And now mm. I will confess in my less healed state, I was like, no, you will not because he isn't. Oh, hell no. <laughs> right, right. Be sorry for him. He killed his daughter. What you, right? It, it, it was, it was, it, it was, it certainly, it helped me because I kept reading it and, and over again, it's been three decades, but in like that first decade, every time I read something, it was like, oh, and it was another thing for me to work on it. And, and mm-hmm. I literally, mm-hmm. at one point I got to point like, oh man, I'm good. This was helpful. I read something in that text that blindsided me. I was like, oh dang. Yeah. I still got more work to do. Right. Yeah. So so the the beauty of 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 literature, right? Of of stories, of narrative is that there's so many layers yeah. and that they meet you where you are. You mm. know, you 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 um they meet you where you are and yeah. things hit you when you are ready to handle them. Yeah. Yeah. So this is obviously a long conversation, right? This is a this is a story that's gonna take seasons to to go through. What do what mm-hmm. do you what can we expect in this first season? Like, what's the first chunk of what we'll be working on? We are, because, you know, as a black woman, right, I'm going to center the woman. What the first season mm-hmm. is all about the girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because over the years and centuries of education and theological education specifically, the scriptural text, the Bible, is very male heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. male-centered, and that the stories always often revolve around a man, right? And so, 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 so when we start looking as womanists, as feminists, when we begin to look at texts, one of the things that we want to do, we want to center the woman's story, because quite frankly, most of these stories would flop or not exist if it wasn't for women that moved the story, right? But there's a way in which sometimes literature can be written in a way that women serve the story, but the man is the story. Mm-hmm. We'll flip that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. This is about healing the daughters, right? Because women are often left out, overlooked, scapegoated. Unnamed, unnamed. for example. Maybe named after their father. Right, right, right. <laughs> They inherit these names, right? That, that women are are secondary, right? They're not primary. 
Right. They're not primary. Right. And this and this this podcast and specifically this ministry broadly is about helping women heal, about helping children heal, right? Yeah. So so we're going to set, we're going to start with the daughter's story. That's going to I think, I hope help women to listen in, not eavesdrop, there are no secrets, right? To listen in and say, huh. Right? And to listen to me situate this woman and her story. Mm-hmm. And to begin to ask questions of their own yeah. um, childhood. And also to see, because one of the things that we don't often do, again, we, that disconnect between, okay, that happened as a child. Now I'm an adult here. Honey, there's a line. Right, right. right? And, 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 and so one of the things that I, I, I may do, uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes I'll slip. It's just the nature of the work because it's not linear, um, is to talk about, what does it look like as an adult if you were always an obedient child? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? How does that show up? Right? Mm-hmm. And so, right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. How does that show up? If you were always X kind of child, how does this show up as an adult? And is the behavior and beliefs that you learned as a child and the ways that you learned to show up as a child, does that serve you well as an adult? Yeah. Right? So, so, so said differently, part of... Um, what we'll do with this story, the first season, it will be to look at the daughter, but I hope people are invited to look at their inner child. Yeah. And see what's not healed. Yeah. And how it shows up in the adult child. Yeah. It is always a pleasure to hang out with Katie. And it was great to revisit that early planning conversation. I have used this story for years in workshops, pastoral care settings, coaching sessions, teaching sessions, and still it remains a narrative that informs my life and ministry. I've witnessed it bring transformation to the lives of women who'd been unknowingly living out their childhood story in their adult lives. In many cases, it catches people off guard and it invites them to deal with things they'd rather avoid. This story has helped women connect the dots from their childhood to their current lives and set many on the path toward freedom, healing, and wholeness. So after hearing so many stories of healing, I've decided it was time to share this story more broadly. And friends, that's why we're here. We are here to embark on a journey together, a journey toward freedom, healing, and wholeness. Perhaps you've stumbled on this podcast just as I stumbled upon the story of Jephthah's daughter so many years ago. I invite you to consider that you may have virtually stumbled here for a reason, to begin your own healing journey, or perhaps to invite someone to begin their own. As a reminder, the goal today was to introduce the podcast and the work. On our next episode, we will begin delving into the text of Judges 11, putting Jephthah and his daughter under the family system's microscope. Until then, my prayer for you is freedom, healing, and wholeness. Healing Jephthah's Daughters is brought to you by the Theolab Media Podcast Network a collective of humans committed to a more candid dialogue about spirituality, culture, and the world. Visit theolabmedia.com to learn more. 
Today's episode was produced and edited by Brandon Maxwell. The theme song, the one you're grooving to right now, is by Ifa Jimu. Tune in next week for the next step on our journey toward freedom, healing, and wholeness.